Hey guys, welcome to the End with Leaders podcast. I'm your host Darren, and in the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing each of my MCVPs for you to get to know them not just as a leader, but really as a person. Thanks so much for tuning in, and please enjoy. So today we have a very special guest, uh, Miss uh, Miss Kiva Lam. Um, so Kiva, you change your name. <laughs> You change your name from Isis to Kiva, right? Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, can you tell us why then? Um, since like uh, in in inside the tra- in tra- inside the transition, Darren told me that there has been some <laughs> alumni like who has been like asking whether I can change my name or not because I'm doing like uh, meeting with partners and meeting with externals so that they thought like uh, changing my name would be more suitable when introducing myself. And then I spend I don't know a week or two on and searching for my name on Google, and then at last I search for this name. Yeah, but but why change from ISIS? Like, like what what was the concern from the alumni? Uh, like their concern was like because the spelling it's like the the terrorist organization, so I, they just think that it, I also think that it's sensitive. Yeah, and they think it's. Maybe it's not appropriate for, like, ISIS as a organi- as an organization striving for peace, but then like, your name is ISIS. Yeah, I think that's a bit weird, indeed. So you changed to Kiva, right? Yeah. What's the meaning of Kiva? Can I not tell? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to. It's gentle, beautiful, and precious. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, quite self-aware, right? <laughs> I normally ask people to guess it. Like it's the three adjectives that you won't use on me. Yeah, <laughs> especially the middle one. <laughs> uh, okay, so Miss Kiva Lam. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone knows about your name. Like people always say this, right? Like uh, you might know my name, but you don't know my story. Uh, for a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know Kiva, like from conference, from uh, like Facebook posts, like from Lamau alum. Uh, like the one with the bar as the background in the Zoom <laughs> meeting, that one. Um, so, so it's time for us to actually know about you as a person before Isaac. So, can you tell us some experience in the past that have shaped you as who you were, like before you joined Isaac? Before I joined Isaac, I would say like, um, uh, first I think it's my hobby. Or you might say like talent, lamau, and it's uh, dancing, because I I do ballet since I was five or four, and I believe like this hobby of mine has shaped me a lot. Uh, no matter it's in terms of confidence, uh, because like you get your chance to go on to go into competitions, and uh, sometimes you might have like succeed in winning some trophies or stuff uh, but sometimes you face failures um but like since when a, since at a, like at an early age and then i experience all sorts of things and i kind of learn how to like step back a step up back from like failures and and those experiences that helped me a lot in terms of like shaping my confidence which can 
even last till now that where I would think about like occasions where when I face failure and then when I think of when I thought think of like those experience when I'm dancing and then um, it gives me energy to really walk through all the challenges and struggles to be honest and um, this is one and uh, I think like especially doing ballet also also um, trains trains me up a lot on my on my I don't know the value is it like striving for excellence uh, because like at every uh, when you're standing at every position now uh, when you're performing every step and then you you need to be exact you need to be like aligned with other teammates or yeah other performers and uh, especially ballet you have specific like positions or angles that you have to hold uh, which one is the perfect angle uh, and like these kind of like when, when you keep on training and you keep on modifying it and and this is how I train up my I don't know, strive, uh, yeah, for for excellence that part, and uh, yeah, I think these two, it's like how dancing has really shaped me a lot. And when you're talking about in terms of high school, then that's the other stage where it influenced me a lot. And I think it's mainly on um, how I see how I see the world, and some of my personal values are also shaped uh, from there. And uh, for example, uh, like my my school as uh, single sex school and um it co- when compared with other uh traditional and also same sex school it it allows us uh to have a lot of freedom uh for example not tying our hair and uh like every every school day like after every school day you could easily see us like lingering around at Starbucks or Pacific Coffee is that back and back in those times or or link or hanging around in shopping malls, uh, and then we're like chilling. Uh. This is how we spend our at least uh, three years in secondary school, and uh, maybe st- maybe only starting from form five, then we start to really study for the SE. And uh, I think this kind of um, like like how they treat education and um, how they allow us to have the freedom to have the time to explore other things, and and it really shaped uh, how I am um, described now as like a free uh, um um adventurous uh, and yeah yeah these kind of behaviors and values are kind of shaped uh from the beginning in my secondary school life and i think like during secondary school i like like our school has gave us a lot of chance to do other things for example we will have singing competition uh, basically in every language uh we will have like sports uh we we play uh two different sports in each um, semester, do you call it semester? And then we have the inter-class like, competitions. Uh, and those kind of spaces uh, do allow you to explore a lot of things and spend a lot of time outside from study with your friends. And uh, yeah, it, it really shaped me on how I, how I see education and how I see life, I think. Yeah. And then I think at last it would be how we celebrate uh, some values that like Isaac do advocate. For example, like appreciate small beauties, uh, just basic small appreciations to one another. These are like constantly celebrated in our school. For example, during Thanksgiving, we would actually have a whole school assembly and then where we uh, give out our DIY gifts to our, uh, no matter it's teachers, uh, to the janitors uh, and uh, yeah, I think these kind of cultures do shape me a lot, and um, it helped me to uh, find like 
its alignment with Isaac also helped me in uh, why I'm staying like Isaac for so long. So when people first get to know you, a lot of people would uh, describe you as quite noisy. But when people really get to know you, uh, do they still say the same? Or do they actually have a different perspective on who you are? Mm, I think uh, in general, people do recognize me as like a kind of a noisy and also, yeah, just noisy and kind of like, interesting maybe a bit uh, and uh, inside a group and uh, I would usually also perform that kind of a function <laughs> inside a group uh, but I like like for for people who really know me for long or when I am like kind of deep chatting and also or like drinking or like normally chilling with a, a really close friend then then I would have my silent mode on uh, quite frequently to be honest for example um i especially like uh had a friend who who i uh drink with her a, a lot but it's like since uh form six to university years and then at every dr- drinking session you call it and i would be like silent we, we will both be silenced for like maybe two inside a two hours meeting and then we might be silent for an hour at least but we are like super comfortable with that. And when, when we talked about like how we are like that silent uh, afterwards, and then we will be like, just, okay, we're comf- at least we're comfortable and it's fine. And so like those people would know the other side of me, but it is, it is kind of really extreme to be honest. Mm. So you mentioned how people who are closer to you would know that you can actually be dead quiet, right? Uh, do you, do you have a very small, like, do you keep a tight social circle, as in only very few people can see this side of yours? I don't know whether my social, social circle is actually that small. Like, if, if you really have to point it out, then I would say, like, I have around, like, um, 10 to 12, like, close friend, if you have to put it onto a scale. And then those friends will actually get to witness like my s- the other side of me, and uh, and if you like, if someone really wants to know like see that side of me, then I would say the best way for you to do it is to uh, drink, yeah. <laughs> and when but like because I don't know when I when I drink and when I start to talk, and then these are these are the moments where I will start to show the silence mode. Uh, of me and then yeah I would say it's like that did did your friends ever ask you if like the first time they see this side of yours where they oh yes 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 Uh, because because I I actually don't show it I I believe I am like, like before maybe a year or two before I didn't show this side of me to the the all, all the 10 to 12 close friends that I have mentioned and then there was one point uh, when I meet up with them and then one of them uh, who's like not that close to me during that like a certain period of time and then and then she asked me whether I have depression or not yes but and then and then I was uh, and then I was laughing it off and then I was no I'm just like that side of me just uh, showed up more to her 
so then she thought I was having depression. Yeah. I think um, when you talk about this, and I imagine being with you two hours and one hour, you're not speaking. It would be, <laughs> I would have the same feeling. I would wonder if Kiva Lam has depression, because. Like yeah, even for now, she's sitting next to me, laughing crazily. I couldn't really anticipate she's sitting there for an hour and just not speaking at all. Um, so yeah, not surprised. Not surprised your friend asked that. Um, okay. So so you ran for MCVP PDPR this year, right? Um, and you were, by the way, you were like a LCVP OGV last year. <laughs> Can you first share maybe your experience last year? <laughs> I think I will first have to go on to share about like why I'm becoming the LCVP OGV. It's because of their form. <laughs> so back in that. Back in that year when I was a member, I actually like or originally I I wanted to elect for LCPPER, and then on like twenty first of March during that year, yeah, I remember it exactly. It was like around two to three p.m. I believe. Like and and then I was like uh, uh, going for no, I I was I was going for a transition with Hilda, and then at when I was passing by the elevator in CHK. And then I saw Darren and also Mandy talking inside cafe, inside a cafe, and then so I went into it. So I just want to crash into it. But then, what? As soon as I sat down, and Darren Fong asked, Darren Fong asked me, "Do you want to elect for LCVPOGV?" And then, uh, it was not like solely on him, but uh, like I because I went to a GV afterwards. So actually, OGV was kind of like my second preference if it's after ER. So I do have like uh, a thought about it. And then just right after his question, he just raised that one single question, and then I talked with Hilda uh, to to think about like whether should I like really consider for it. And then I like during that afternoon, I immediately went back to Darren and talked with him for like almost an hour, and then I decided that that I switched department. So. Yeah, I think the experience uh, overall, it's um, it's uh, it's life changing, eh, to be honest. Because, like, because I like like from that experience, I really know like my weaknesses. Like all of my weaknesses are actually exposed in that role. And uh, without this experience, I, I I believe I wouldn't be able to discover so deeply about my strengths and weaknesses and what I like and what I don't like. At work, and uh, so I'm thankful. Yeah. So, so why did you choose to run for PDPR then? Like, why not uh, MCVP OGV? Oh gosh. <laughs> do, do do I have to talk about the uh, the other part of the reason first? I I believe like for when you when you stay for another year and you when you go up to a role like as MC you know you know your mission is to contribute back and when you decide to contribute back you of course contribute it to like based on your strengths so when i understand that like uh, OGV is definitely not my strength but then when i know like for example um i like to communicate with people like i like to make connections and uh I am interested in event management, and I have some experiences dealing with that. And um, 
like from all of these evaluations, then I know that this is uh, this like this department is perhaps maybe the only department where I would see myself as my strengths really contributing to the organization have a possibility of yeah. And so I ran for this role. But if you're talking about like some more personal motivations regarding why I'm going for another year as AMC, then um, I would say. Uh, a lot of it actually came from my GV experience, I would say, because uh, my GV experience as uh, serves as like uh, the pivot <laughs> to to my to my character. Yeah, as in originally, I was a really extroverted person, where I don't know how to get along with myself. Uh, but during that six weeks period of time, where I spent a whole hell a lot of time to really like just be with myself and to reflect uh, and like when when you're when you are going everywhere to travel and then it's only you and uh, no one will understand the language that you speak in so you you rarely have a chance to talk to anyone on the streets randomly and uh, so like that kind of experience actually helped me to become less extrovert and uh, that change started from then onwards and uh, when I saw like this change in myself and I know that like okay this experience no matter it's GV or LCVP it's gonna bring me a lot of changes and a lot of, and a lot of growth so why not spend a year uh, more in here so that I could really sharpen my skills or my uh, personalities or my character more so as to prepare really like well for the future mm. but why isaac like like there could be a lot of places where you can sharpen your skill sets i think it is rare for you to find a place where you have such speed in terms of your growth rate <laughs> yeah when you see that like six weeks it already transformed you a lot and then from your preparation period uh from a member to lcvp and you already like grow a lot and then like these kind of rate are rarely seen in other experiences and only these only this place you you can have like such a growth rate within a year so i like i'm just choosing a more efficient way i would say <laughs> but what what about isaac that would make the growth rate so fast I think it's uh, the the ability of you taking control, real control over things. Um, because like, if you are doing an intern, it might be from zero point five to one, but in ISA it's like zero to one. So from from where you have to set the strategy to you have to execute the strategies to you have to do the planning and it's all done by you and it's all planned by you and uh, and um, this and also this place like celebrate certain degree of failures and certain you, you have to go through certain uh, different trials in order to really get to your success so um, and only this place could maybe allow such failures to really happen and such trials to really happen and um so I think like these kind of experience, uh, actually, like it's only it's only Isaac that could provide these kind of experience. I would say. Mm. I I want to add on a little bit to the point about failure because I think when I was a member, 
some as alumni already came back and said this is a place where you can actually fail and learn fast mm-hmm. and that time I was really skeptical because I don't see that happening like I was going through pre-screen I feel very judged and like like somehow uh, my performance in the pre-screen was not too good it was consist some sort of failure I didn't, I didn't so I, I, I really didn't connect to that point really well but I think as we spend more time in Isaac um, what I realized is like the things you screwed up you actually have time to make like you can actually repair them yeah or actually like your your leader will actually help in it like to be honest really there's a safety there's a certain safety net that uh enabled us to survive through all those failures mm. yeah exactly and and uh i recently talked to uh Michla, and then uh, they had an intern oh. who who was responsible for the website and oh. on the website she wrote lvhm and then and she's fired Whoa. and she's fired and that was the exact moment when I realized, okay, that's what the alumni means when it's mean when when he says a certain degree of allowing failure. Like the, I, I like when when I listen to LVMH talking about that, I truly understand why they do that. Like, yeah, of course. yeah, it's just like a simple task that you delegate to an intern, but the intern like screwed up. Yeah. And there are a lot of media companies already texting LVMH saying, oh, so you manage so many brands, but you cannot even manage your own website. Like a lot of just shots fired at LVMH. And like it's really like a very, very minimal margin of error that they can allow. And in Isaac here, I think the margin of error is... It's quite big. You can, you, can, you can screw a lot of things, and you can still be an Isaacer. Even at, even at like the top the top level, at even at AI, they screw a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. exactly. AI, MC, like no. Okay, while we are laughing at this, it's not like we come to the office every day thinking about what to screw up today. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no, we're not thinking of that. But it's very like somehow, somewhere when you try a lot of things that you didn't know in the past like there could be failure in the way and Isaac has a very high threshold for tolerance of course the process is going to be tough like people will judge you mm. but you, it's different just the level of punishment you receive is mm. very different yeah so I really agree to that point um, so yeah um, so that was why you ran for PDPL um, and you also talked about what are the strengths contributing to you running for this role mm. Having been in this role for like nine months, ten months now, mm. are there some strengths and weaknesses, or are there just new aspects of yourself that you discover throughout this term as an MCVP? Mm, I think it's uh, like before. I would describe those uh, outgoing, uh, uh, extroverted, uh, like to connect to people. They are just characters of mine. But I think like throughout this experience, I could really confidently say that like they are my strengths, uh, because like these characters have been put to use and exercised um, frequently, and I kind of already sharpened them into like accurate skill sets or strengths that I have when when I am doing 
like leading people or like execution and stuff like that. Um, yeah, for example, when I am leading a team, then I can confidently say that okay, my strength as in on connecting to people really quickly, establishing bonds, and I could put it into great use when I am quickly connecting into a team. And uh, yeah, this is for the strengths part. I would say, for the weaknesses, I. Mm, I think I'm. I am more aware of them, um, and I try to sharpen them. Also, like for example, I know that I am weak at tracking, but I have to force myself to do it. So I just figure out a systems or uh, an SOP for myself that I'm comfortable with, and uh, so it help. It, it kind of helped me to overcome it. Since I have a lot of experiences that I get to practice it, and uh, yeah, I would say it's like that. So, what's your next step after Isaac? Because it's almost like the end of your MCVB term. Are you considering MCP? No. Um, I think my next step. Why? Why not MCP? Why not MCP? Because. I think, like originally, I'm already kind of like a, you may say, curious, or adventurous kind of a person, and uh, I don't prefer myself to really stay in a place or belong to a place that long, and um, I think it's time for me to really like when I already got. A certain to okay degree of my skill set and also mindset like sharpened, then it is t- it might be time for me to move on and to explore the real world out there. And uh, so, other than studying, Lamal, that's sad. I still, I've still got two years of studies, and I think it's like uh, doing interns, uh, of course, but. Um, I am very cautious in that because I know, like, if I just spend these two years doing random interns, then I'm wasting my one year as an MC. So, I am still figuring out how do I, uh, how how should I shape these two years of doing interns or finding jobs or doing anything else in order to really, um, uh. Shape my, you may call CV, lama further into a really strong one. Mm. I'm figuring my way out. Mm. Mm. Are you considering to, like down the road, like say a few years, are you looking mm. to stay in Hong Kong or work abroad? I think, I think my preference would definitely be working abroad. To be honest, and this thought doesn't. Just came to me recently. I think it's starting from, it's starting from form four that I have this thought. Oh, okay, I, I should be living like outside of Hong Kong through maybe most part of my life. Uh, since I, uh, since like um, oh this this thought actually came when came when I decide to study politics, and then I know that like in Hong Kong when you study politics you don't you don't literally have a road. You only literally have a career path in sight, so um, I just want to step out 
uh, to the world to see like uh, what opportunities do I have and what the world has to offer to me. And so this thought just uh, continuously be in my mind and um, and so I am looking forward to myself really stepping out of Hong Kong uh, in the next few years. Um, so moving to the last part, I just want to ask you about something that would relate to the long-term direction of ISEC. Um, so what we see in a society is um, there's a lack of youth empowerment. Like a lot of incidents relating to the lack of youth empowerment have persisted. Um, so as ISEC as an organization that stands for this, like youth empowerment, what do you see as some strategies or things that we should focus on moving forward to make ourselves more relevant um, and make ourselves more important in terms of contributing to our society and contributing to the youth mm, uh, when I think about like how how I see impact or how I see uh, empowerment in general I believe it's not um, one one organization or or person doing one great thing i think it's really down to down to like people to people person to person one to one interaction and also influences so um um when i when i think of what we do like as an exchange um it's like myself going on an experience so that experience influence like only me alone and uh different people will have different stories to tell uh because like they are like just one to one experience instead of like uh, one impact like spreading to all like it's, uh, you, you and you expect it to be the same and um when i trust in this uh so uh i do have faith in uh what in in what we do as in on exchange as in having having a great impact towards a person um but the degree my fairy and the and the and the impact exact impact might vary and uh it's the is the essence and it's the it's the fun or beauty of like what we are doing i believe and um uh so so i believe like uh continue to facilitate our core like as an exchange and also of course on like membership or but what rather than membership i would say is like when you are inside a leadership positions that where that is when you will receive and grow the most in terms of like being inside ISEC I would say um, so I believe like continue to facilitate our core um, it's our main goal and this, the, all these experiences uh, alone can already contribute a lot towards how you're empowering a youth to really figure out uh, where they want to go and then ISEC further uh, strengthen or sharpen their skill sets or mindsets for them to really move towards that uh, certain directional goal that they are striving for and um, and so so it's like just basically doing our things but I believe rather than other than doing our things right I believe it's on how you continue to spread this message uh, to more people so that they are interested in like discovering these experiences these experiences and uh so i believe it's it's down to how we are branding ourselves how we are marketing like 
our products or our experiences to the outer world especially under these circumstances like how are you creating a relevance between our experiences and uh, how could these experiences actually help them to face the current situation and i believe like this kind of linkage are actually like we, we are constantly being seen as like off the ground and that's one implication of us not doing our branding or marketing uh, that relevant or that down to earth in terms of like when university students are looking at us and i believe when we do all of these right and when we continue to strive for that angle that um is attractive to them and we are like less less off the ground i would say and um and then and then this is the time where we can really attract more and more people to go through our experiences and i have faith that these experiences could change them so my role is just to attract them to all of these experiences mm. okay so last thing uh so that's one year of intense journey ahead for the people who stepped up. What would be one advice you give to those people to make the most out of their journey next year? Considering there will be a lot of bumps, uh, a lot of challenges that are facing them. Mm. I would say it's is to really um, enjoy that process and during that process you you keep on reflecting already and um, like for 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 the reflection part because um, um, you you have to know how far you have come or what are some changes that you have already uh, made to yourself and what are the growths that you already have in order for you to provide the right motivation or um, yeah the right motivation and passion to walk forward and for the enjoyment part I believe like um, this is gonna be a tough and a busy journey and um, well wh- where where we might easily forgot the joy joyous part or the fun part inside all of those experiences um so so just to uh enjoy it i would say is to like really take the get the most out of it get the most fun out of it like uh but even if it is like uh hectic even if it's like hard um it is even if it's like challenging and you have to trust that at the end of the day when you look back at these experiences that it will definitely be worth it and so just enjoy it and try to get the most fun and also the most growth out of it give the most uh, enjoy every bit of this journey and reflect constantly to make meaning out of the experiences that you have get gotten okay so thank you so much Kivalem thank you <laughs> do you have anything to say to Darren Fong <laughs> no <laughs> I, I, I would re- very much want to say it but it's not like uh, publishable <laughs> Okay, so I must end this now. Okay, thank you so much and uh, see you guys next time. Bye-bye.